This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. And I want to continue in the series that we are speaking on, Go With God. And I want to tell you right off the bat that today's message is, is pretty deep. I, I don't usually try to go way down beneath the surface uh, for a variety of reasons. But on rare occasions when we get to a subject like this, which seems to be so elementary in the introductional part, You'll, you'll realize as we go on, the deeper we're going to go into God's Word. And if you lose track, really, this, this could be extremely boring for you. <laughs> and in order to really get the fullness of this message, that you you got to stay plugged in. And so I really want to encourage you to do that. And... I'm going to share with you this morning some great spiritual truths. It's all applicable for every single one of us. And so I pray that you listen attentively as we continue this series, <clears throat> Go With God. And I really have enjoyed this. It's really taught me a lot of things in the Word. I want to speak this morning on remember what the Lord did. I want you to think with me now. Remember what the Lord did. And I'm speaking this morning primarily in the cornerstone of our introduction from Exodus chapter 13 and verse 1 and 2. And they will get these scriptures on the screen. And I want you to follow along with us. The word says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast. It is Mine. That's a powerful scripture, and we're going to see what it means. So please stay plugged into the message today. Remember what the Lord did. I want you to look at verse number two again because it's a powerful statement that God makes. At the end of verse number two, he says, It is mine. I want you to think about this. I think sometimes we're prone to forget this. There's so much of us and about us that we struggle to surrender to the Lord. So much. You, you say, what are you talking about, preacher? I mean, there are probably things in our lives right now where we are saying, God, I will give you anything but this. 
I will give you anything but my faithful church attendance. I just cannot do that. There are so many interruptions going on in my life. I just cannot do that, God. I'll give you anything but that. I'll give you anything but my service. I do not have time to serve you, God. Oh, I'll, I'll, I have a family Bible on my coffee table and I, 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 I think about good things and this, that, and the other. But God, I don't have time to serve you. I'll give you anything but service. God, I will give you anything but my tithe. Anything. Don't ask me to do that. I, I've got to pay my cable bill. I've got to buy my six-pack. I've got to get my cigarettes. i got to put gas in the car. I, I'll give you anything, God, anything but my tithe. I, I'll give you anything, God, anything but. Don't ask me to be separated from the world. Because, God, I've got to fit in. I have to be accepted. Where, where I'm at, there are just too many people that don't go to church. So God, I, I'm going to try to be a secret Christian, I'm, but don't ask me to be separated. I'll give you anything but those things. And a lot of people in here know this morning that what I'm saying is the truth. A lot of times by human nature, even in church, when we stand up and sing all to Jesus, I surrender all to him, I freely give. We don't really mean that. It's a song. It's got, it's got beautiful music. It's got beautiful harmonies. But half the time, we don't really mean that. All to Jesus, I surrender. But let the word remind us this morning, and if you truly believe that the Bible is the word of God, in Psalms 24, verse number one, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 14, the word says, behold the heaven and the heaven of the heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also with all that therein is his. And so this is what God is telling Moses to remind his people of. He is saying, Moses, I want you to remind the people that everything is mine. One of the exclusive things that God is reminding his people of is that he demands honor from them. He demands it. And by the way, that same spiritual truth applies to you and me. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9, the word says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30, the word says, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me 
forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And so one of the most important ways that God was teaching his people to honor him was with their first fruits. I want to show you something in the scripture. This is where we get a little deep. So let me ask you to wipe the fog off just for a moment. Plug into this message today. At Exodus chapter 13, I want to pick back up with verse 3 and read through verse number 10. Follow along with me. If you'd like to see it in the big print, get it on the screen here or use the word in your hand. In verse 3, and Moses said unto the people, remember, remember this day. Don't forget, we're talking about the message this morning. Remember what the Lord did. Now Moses says, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, or came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. Now look at this. This is going to get deep. Stay with it. There shall no leaven bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Abed, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month, seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee. In all thy quarters, and thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thy hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. Listen carefully. God uses three elements in this teaching process for the children of Israel. Number one, he uses purity. Number two, he uses memory. And number three, he uses giving. Most of you know that leaven in the scriptures represents sin. You've been studying your Bible long enough, you know that. And so in this thing of honor, God is teaching his people that just a little bit of leaven will contaminate his instructions. God said, 
that the Hebrews could take unleavened bread out in the desert and it would be okay. Even though it would be different for a little while, it would still nourish them. But God said that the moment you add yeast to your bread, God said it would begin to spoil or ferment. And so the Lord is presenting the idea of something that they are very familiar with. And that is this, with the leaven. That when you allow just a little bit of leaven in your life, this is what God's teaching the people, that when you allow just a little bit of leaven, and leaven represents sin, when you allow just a little bit of leaven into your life, that's when you begin to spoil, and that's when you begin to sour. So he's teaching the people through Moses the significance of sin. One of the very important things here is that God has not only given these instructions to the adults, but listen carefully, and this is where some of the meat or the heart of the message comes into play this morning, and that is this. He's not only teaching the adults this principle, but he is also teaching the adults the importance of teaching the young children the same spiritual truths. He wants the little ones to know the dangers of sin as well. And by the way, this is one of the grave areas where many parents are failing today. And that is teaching the little ones, the young ones, the significance of having leaven in your life, just a little bit. Just a little bit of leaven, which represents sin. Listen, we're failing as parents to teach our children. So God is saying, Moses, I don't want this message just for adults, but I want you to teach the adults the importance of teaching the children. And let me say this. I told you, if you were here Wednesday night in the Bible, said, it don't matter to me anymore. Listen now. I'm going on 66 years old. I've been preaching for a half a century. It don't bother me no more. Let me say this. I love, Bertice and I were talking about Dr. Charles Stanley this morning. I love Charles Stanley. I love his messages. I love his sermons. He was a great preacher, one of the prince of preachers, one of the finest in heaven today. But his son, Andy, has turned into a heretic. But I, this, is, this is my point. We have to teach our children just a little bit of leaven. If we don't, the trend in the world today is to allow the world to come in and just teach a little bit about God and the Bible. In fact, Andy Stanley said this, that the stories of the Old Testament are irrelevant. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they don't even talk about Jesus. And I'm thinking, this guy is a heretic. As a child of God, listen now, moms and dads need to start drawing some lines in the sand and you need to set your children down and start teaching them the principles of the word of God. If you think that's foolish, 
You wait and see what ends up living under your roof. I pray to God that your compass is not broke. If your compass is broke, you will go woke. That kind of rhymes, doesn't it? Some today are pitching their tents toward Sodom. Some today have actually moved into Sodom. And you know better than that. Now back to the story. God's now saying, take out all the leaven, all the leaven from your house, every bit of it. And he said, I want you to ex- I want you to get rid of it for seven days. He said, I'm so serious about this. I I not only want you to take the leaven out of your house, but he said, I'm so serious about this. I don't even want you to look at leaven. Don't even put your eyes on. Look at this, Exodus 13, 7. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be any, look at this, leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. God says, I know that this is going to be strange and difficult and out of the ordinary for your children. And because of this, when they begin to ask you questions, what are we doing? Why are we doing this stuff? God said, that's when When your children begin to ask those questions, it's then that I want you to remind them how I brought them out of Egypt, how I brought my people out of Egypt and how I did it quickly by the omnipotence of my almighty hand. God, listen now, I want you to see how God's mind is working. God wanted to arrange this situation, the whole thing. God wanted to arrange it so that the children would begin to ask all sorts of curious questions. That was, that was designed by the Lord. That was very intentional. God was saying, I want you as parents, teach this Moses, teach this to the adults. I want the adults to teach the children. I want them as parents to take all of these opportunities to say, no matter what happens, no matter what the trends are, no matter where you've been, where you're at, where you're going, I want you to take all of these opportunities to say, always look to God. Never forget his almighty hand. In Exodus 13, verse 11, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee, and to thy fathers, and shall give it to thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast. The males shall be the Lord's. Every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee, In time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him by strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage? And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, 
both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, be it males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for token unto thy hand and for frontlets between thine eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. So the Lord, look now, he designs a feast to declare all of his mighty work. He wants to have them remembering his miraculous deliverance. He wants them to remember the significance of sin, the significance of leaven. He wanted them to teach their children well. You know, a lot of times when we have parents that bring their babies down, their small children down to dedicate them to the Lord. And, and we do that by example in the word. We are not, and, and I don't know how you've ever looked at that. And if you look at it just like, oh, that's sweet, that's cute, that's so nice. Everybody clap, take a picture. If that's what you get out of this, listen. When a parent tells me that we want to dedicate our child to the Lord, and we arrange that Sunday to happen, and that parent brings that baby down here, and we, we have that dedication there are two things that significantly intertwine with this, or it ought to anyway. Number one, we are praying as we dedicate that child to God because dedication is not salvation. A child has to know the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil. He has to be under the age of accountability. I cannot put a baby in that baptismal pool and wash away their sins. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. And the word said, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So when a person brings a child down here to be dedicated, we're not saving them. We're dedicating. It's like a sanctification. We're setting them apart. And it's twofold. One, we are entrusting, we're praying that God would give these parents the wisdom and the fortitude to raise their child in the admonition of the Lord, for them to teach their children at home. But it doesn't stop there. It's also the responsibility of this church to preach the gospel and to teach them the ways and the precepts of the Lord. Listen, that's why we have so many teaching programs here in the church. We have tons of children's ministries. We have Awana ministries. We have youth ministries. The spiritual lessons continue from home or it should continue from home into this church house. We cannot be silent and we cannot accept the trends of the world. We have to come out from among them and be separate saith the Lord God. Now he talks about the firstborn and the first fruits. Look at this. Remember these spiritual truths. Look at your bulletin. Number one, the holiness of God demands anything and everything that he asks for. Now I want you to reflect with me just for a moment. The Hebrews had just come out of Egypt. They have just celebrated Passover. Moses is giving them a lesson on the offerings of first fruits. It involves everything that they have. And so the Hebrews have left Egypt. 
And God says this, something very difficult. He says this, when your animals give birth, the first one belongs to me. Now, I'm sure there was a struggle with human logic in that, and this may have gone over your head as many times as you read the Bible through or as many times as you read this verse. But I want you to think about this just for a moment. They're now in the desert, and God said, everything belongs to me. Even the firstborn of all the animals. I'm sure somebody stepped back and said, we have, Moses, we got a problem here. We're, we're in the desert and we need meat. But you're saying, God says to give him the first of everything, including the animals. But listen, God's teaching them is that as they continue on in this journey to never, ever stop trusting him. Now, I want you to think about this a little deeper because these animals giving birth would not have another birth until almost a year. Have you ever thought about that? That God says, give me the firstborn of those animals? God, that's me. Firstborn is mine. When that animal conceived, it would be nine months or a little more before they would have another one. So think about what God's doing here. He's almost asking from human logic what's impossible. But God was teaching them that he wanted them to be totally dependent upon him and his provisions, totally dependent upon his almighty hand. Number two in your bulletin, the limitless power of God is something that we have to train ourselves never to forget. Now, all throughout this chapter, God's reminding them of what he's done. He is saying, remember, you've seen the plagues that I brought upon Egypt. Remember, you carried your firstborn out of Egypt when the Egyptians were burying their firstborn. He said, you experienced my hand, my mighty hand, on many occasions. And for us, as we read all of this, the difficult thing to grasp, I'm sure, is that God is having to constantly remind them. They have seen God do one thing after another. And it's not been just a little thing. When God showed up in the lives of these Israelites, it was miraculous things. But God is having to constantly remind them of his miracles, the mighty things that he has done. God knew that they were going to constantly come up against enemies and oppositions, and they had to completely trust in his miracle-working power. He wanted to drill in their hearts and minds that the power of God has no bounds. In Psalm 68, the word says this, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. 
Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him to the right that rideth upon the heavens by his name, John. Rejoice before him as a father, a father of the fatherless, and a judge of the widows, his God and his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, don't forget this statement, we're coming back. When thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thy inheritance when it was weary. Now, never forget this. No one or nothing can ever give power to God. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. So we've got to recognize that because He and He alone is all-powerful, then we have got to always trust in Him. We have to be willing to let Him demonstrate His power to us. I'm talking about when circumstances in our life do not look good. When it seems like that we are overwhelmed, overpowered, outnumbered. When it seems that our health begins to have complications or family and friends don't understand us, turns against us. It means that when we get depressed or discouraged, we cannot forget the words of the Apostle Paul. For the which cause I also suffer in 2 Timothy 1.12, these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And number three, how do you ascribe or recognize the power of God in your life? I'm talking about when it seems like there are nothing but mountains before you. How do you remind yourself of the power of God? When those things seem to come into your pathway, do you spend all day long reminding yourself of all of your problems and troubles? Do you look for the nearest juniper tree to set under? I mean, what's, what's the first point of contact you have when troubles come your way? Troubles or God? God is telling Moses, he is saying, I want you to remind the people of what I did. I want you to remind them of my power. Now, here's the great spiritual truth. Let me share with you something that I have recently started doing and that is this, if you don't, and you think about it just for a minute, you, you may never know the power of a journal if you don't have one. This is mine. I would encourage everybody in here to get one. Because this is what a journal will do.
You can sit down in the morning or you can sit down in the afternoon or you can sit down in the evening, whatever is convenient, and you begin to write. You begin to write the things that has pressed upon your heart, that has pressed upon your life, that has pressed upon your peace. You can even write down maybe perhaps a scripture of promise. You're, you're facing this trouble. You're facing this dilemma. But you know God's almighty hand. You know what he's done in the past. You know all about his miracles. And you write down what you're going through. And beside it, you write down one of God's promises. Yes, I'm going through this dark valley. But you have promised God that I do not have to walk through this valley alone. And you write down one of God's promises and you keep track of this stuff. And then one day, here's what you do. You go back and you look at a certain problem and a certain trouble and trial that you were going through. You wrote down one of God's promises. And then later on, you flip back and you read the promise was God's word being true. You look back on a dark day, but you look at it now from a bright perspective. What God did for you, his promises are true. Somebody say amen. If you don't have one, get one. And think about this. I, I want to encourage you in that. I, it's something that you all need to start doing. Start writing down all of your dark days when you're at your wit's end, when your heart was about ready to break in two. And then perhaps on the same page, write down the promises of God that you claimed. And then write down, rejoice in the ways that God's power and promises broke the chains that held you down and get your praise on and shout amen. Never forget. The enemy will do everything he can to cause you to forget God's almighty hand. And by human nature, we're forgetful people. The devil loves to come against our mind. Psalm 78, 7 says that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. In Psalms 119, verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. In Psalms 119, 93, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. Now, another question is this. Not only what you are doing to remember God's power and his promises, but what you're doing to testify about it. But listen to this. God has placed all of us in a certain circle of people. And yet he allows our pathway to encounter other people as well. But I want you to think about the second question this morning and maybe in a reverse way. You know, sometimes a journal, it may not be the only way or quite enough to sustain you through a storm. Sometimes, sometimes, we need a word of encouragement from somebody else. This, this is why you got to share your praise. I mean, listen carefully. From my perspective, I do everything within my human ability 
to be an encouragement to you. I study, I preach, I teach, I counsel, I send emails, I respond to text messages, I make strategic visits, I pray. Listen, I, I don't just pray for you in the church when I get in my office and pray on the platform. Listen, I pray when I'm, when I have my tiller in the ground and I'm turning dirt. I pray for you when I'm slopping hogs, when I'm shoveling chicken poop. I pray for you when I'm getting eggs. I pray for you when I'm taking care of goats. I pray for you when I'm driving down the road. I pray for you when I'm in the supermarket. When God brings you to my mind, I instantly begin to pray, God, help them, give them wisdom, guide them, direct them, give them peace, do something in their life today. But you know what? I hope and pray that you're praying for me as hard and as much as I pray for you. Because, listen, I too need encouragement. Preaching messages like this in the dark days in which we live, I tell you, I need all the encouragement I can get. And in Exodus 13, verse 18, let's finish this. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up and harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham. And the edge of the wilderness and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar cloud to lead them in the way and by night in a pillar fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So the Hebrews now, they come out of Egypt. And even though it's technically, if you look geographically, technically it's a short route, but God is determined to take them the long way around. For some strange reason in verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. God did it because of the Philistines, the hostilities. The Philistines were constantly at war with the Hebrews, and you know the stories And in all of them, I don't know of a single story in the Bible when Israel ever defeated the Philistines without God's intervention. Not one. But I know of times when God showed up on the scene. I'm talking about, think about this with me. Many times God withdrew his hand, especially when you think about Saul when he decided he was going to march into battle without God's permission. But when he did that, the Bible says that God, he... He brought about a destruction to the Israelites. But every time God went before them, Israel defeated the Philistines. God always delighted in demonstrating his power to his people. Now I'm going to share with you this morning, to me, this may not, you might not get one holy goosebump on your body. But to me, this is a hair-raising scripture. This is where I hope maybe somebody in here gets your bucket filled. Me and Brother Charles were talking this morning. He 
He said, oh, I've come to the house of God to get fed today. I said, brother, pull your table up. We'll come to the table together. You ever sat down for a meal and you took the napkin and shook it? You, Oh, man, you put it in your lap. You knew it was going to be good. Have you ever read a place of Scripture in the Bible that when you were reading it, you actually had to move it away a little bit, get out of the way, and say, Oh, God, I've never seen that before. Thank you, Jesus. Sweet Holy Spirit, fill my bucket. God, speak to me. In a Have you ever had been so full you had to move back a little bit and get out of the way and let God show up? This was one of those scriptures. I want you to see something, one of the most hair-raising passages in all of the Bible for me. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 through 25. God knew that these Philistines were terribly hostile and agitating his people. In 2 Samuel 5, verse 17, but when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel. The Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines without deliver them into thy hand? My hand and the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And David came to Balpazrim. And David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Balbrezim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. The Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them. Look at this. This is where it gets, this is where it gets really angelic for me. He said, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. Look at this. And verse 24 to me is one of the most amazing verses in all of the Bible. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. God said when you hear the thunder, when you hear the roaring, when you hear the marching on the tops of the mulberry trees, Brother Charles, it's where we get fed, brother. It's where we get my bucket filled. Look, 
at the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestear thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gaza. Now look at verse 24 again here now. Look at it carefully. The only kind of army that I know of that can march on the top of mulberry trees is the army of God. Somebody, somebody say amen. Woo! Ah. Can you imagine hearing the host of God's army coming out to do battle with the Philistines, marching on the tops? of mulberry tree. God was determined to take care of his people if they honored him and acknowledged him in all their ways. God knew and the people knew that the journey was going to be intense. Deuteronomy 8, 16, who fed in the wilderness with manna, what thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do that, the good at the latter end. I gotta, I gotta finish this. God is always saying, I'm with you. We can only imagine how these frightened Hebrews were. I'm going to ask our musicians to come forward. God was constantly reminding them of that, constantly. Number four, in the presence of God is a promise made to all of his children. I don't have time this morning to go into Deuteronomy 31 or Joshua 1.9. Read them. Every single one of us need this assurance every day. And I want to remind you something. Listen, if you, if you remember one thing that I say today, when you get home, remember this. Life is hard with or without God. Life is hard with or without God, but I would rather have it twice as hard with him than without him. Because with him, the results are endless. Number five, I'm going to give you this real quick. God gives all of us five incredible promises this morning. One, he has promised us that he will deliver us from fear. You have the scripture. He has promised us never to leave us. You have the scripture. He has promised to always guide us. You have the scripture. He has promised to always forgive us. You have the scripture. And he has promised that he will always supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And you have the scripture. Remember what the Lord did. Remember what the Lord is doing. Listen, Moses, teach the adults to teach the children. And when they begin to ask questions, remind them of all the miracles that I did to bring them out of the land of Egypt. If you don't stand against the trends of this world, like a riptide, they will carry you out 
to a place of no return. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.